Hi, and welcome to the Becoming Podcast. I'm your host, Anne Fancy, and if you're new to this podcast, the intent here was to create space to have conversations about growth and evolution and the process of becoming who you are intended to be. And in that, we'll just talk about some of the concepts of spirituality and metaphysics, as well as interviewing people who I believe to be living a meaningful, soulful life and some of the work it took for them to get there. I think there's so much to be gained in simply contemplating our lives, um, other people's lives, how it reflects back to us, and really checking in with what it means to live your purpose. If you're new and you enjoy this, and if you're not new and you enjoy this, I would so appreciate you subscribing on your favorite platform and, of course, writing a review. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get going to Episode 7. Today's conversation is an important one, and one that probably many of us have been involved in, in one form or another. For me, I think this conversation started first as... Um, a high school student in my psychology classes that I took in high school. I remember distinctly that it must have been a um, senior level class or a junior and senior level class, and I was a sophomore, but I was always fascinated with psychology. And when given the choice of that over social studies, I chose psychology, right? Humans have always been fascinating to me. So I remember learning at that point about the ego. Maybe it was Freud and Maslow and some other, um, I mean, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but um, definitely ego, my first vantage point of that was from the language of psychology. And as I went on to study um, world religions and Buddhism and then eventually more of the traditional texts of um, yoga, right, yogic texts like the Vedanta or um, Bhagavad Gita or the Yamas and Niyamas in the Ashtanga tradition. And if that's all language you don't understand, don't worry. Just think of it as in Eastern traditions. And when I studied that, ego became something else. And at least the way that it was being described to me at that point, I understood ego as something that was bad and that it was meant to be dissolved, right? If you were seeking enlightenment, then you were going to dissolve your ego and just become this awakened soul who happened to have um, a body, a sack of skin. I've heard some of my friends um, in the in the woo-woo world call it. And I don't know that that necessarily resonated with me either. Um, I, at least at this point in my life, recognize what it means to be human and that being human is in large part part of the work we're doing here. And without that, if without the human experience, um, we wouldn't have a body or an ego and there would be no reason to be here because we'd just be a soul. And if we were just soul and energy and spirit, then why not be back in the collective consciousness, be back with energy? So as I talk about this, I'm going to come at this with the expectation that you're at least willing to entertain, number one, that you are a spiritual being having a human experience. So that's, that's presumption number one on my end, that you're at least willing to entertain that vantage point even if it's against everything that you've heard up until now, or you're not really sure what you believe, or you think you're um, an atheist, though you're probably not necessarily listening to my podcast. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expect that you at least are willing to entertain that. And the other thing I expect you're willing to entertain is that perhaps, and I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, perhaps your soul chose to embody 
And not only did it just choose to embody randomly, it chose to embody in this current form and state you're in. And with this current family situation, with these current challenges um, in the world and in your own life, to which I don't know, but I think much of human experience is very similar. Uh, The amount of trauma we experience varies greatly, but the experience of trauma and the experience of pain and heartache and loss and um, suffering is pretty universal. So I'm going to take on those assumptions so that you and I, me talking to you, but me feeling like you're talking back to me, um, we can have this conversation. So when we're talking about ego versus soul, high self, um, what other language would you have for that? Spirit, um, your um, the energy part of you that's connected to a greater sense of the world, a higher consciousness. Your consciousness, you can use that language too. So if you prefer more of a science mind way of thinking, consciousness is really the same thing to me. So when we're talking about these two pieces, I think that what I've noticed happened, and even in other podcasts I've been listening to lately that come from a more traditional Buddhist or yogic perspective, ego starts to sound like it has a bad rap, or you hear these people talking in a way that... um, that they seem like, you know, I was listening to this woman that was talking about her kundalini having completed. Now, if you don't know what kundalini is, um, you can do a quick Google search on that. But it's this idea that there's this energy spiral in your body and that, you know, certain practices like meditation or kundalini yoga or kriya yoga are working to activate that. Now, kundalini is just one language for a lot of other languages, even just work within the chakras or just the kind of meditation where you start to really feel yourself shift energetically is that idea of kundalini is the same notion that you feel yourself, your energy body shifting. Okay. So I heard this woman talking like that and well, since my kundalini is completed and they got into this really heady conversation and I I couldn't relate to it. In fact, I found myself Not that I even couldn't relate, I just didn't believe them anymore, right? They didn't feel believable. It felt disconnected and holier than thou, and it felt like all of the hang-ups about religion that I've always felt, right, about dogma and the spiritual ego, which is that you get so evolved and awake that you're suddenly higher and holier, and your kundalini is completed, and... Uh, sorry for the rest of you, but you become unrelatable to me. And I am having this inner dialogue lately, um, since then and previous to then and probably forevermore, about what is this relationship between the ego and the soul? And is the ego inherently bad? Or is it something that simply needs to be monitored? You know? So I've been taking this meditation courses with, um, and really expansion courses with my friend and mentor, Lori Lipton. And in class the other night, um, she, she brought this idea up about, you know, somebody asked a question and the relationship between ego and soul came up. And she, she basically said for her understanding is that the ego's job is to keep us striving for more. And the soul's job is to remind us that we've always been worthy. Now, maybe those aren't the exact words, but that was the recap, essentially. Your ego's job is to keep you striving, and that your soul's job is to remind you that you've always been worthy. 
Now, I think that's beautiful because worthiness is such an inherent challenge for so many of us, right? We find that the world is constantly telling us that we're not worthy. I mean, go on social media, watch the news, um, open up the catalog that you just got in the mail, right? For example, today um, on our mantle, I saw a catalog that we had received, and it was a Spanx catalog. And I'm just flipping through out of curiosity because it said, um, now in denim. And I thought, how can you make denim Spanx? Let me see, because I'm curious. And they were like, totally like elastic band Spanx. Okay. So it was like maternity pants almost turned into adulting pants. And um, I was fascinated. And I keep flipping through and flipping through. And suddenly I see um, arm what did, well, I don't remember what they were called. Arm sleeves, arm, that doesn't make sense, does it? Uh, something that would tighten, like a Spanx for your arm, compression sleeve for your arm. And I thought, man, we are effed <laughs> because you can't even, you got to now, not only got to Spanx your whole body to appear thinner and less lumpy and rolly, but you got to Spanx your arms. I mean, what the actual F is happening? That matters that our arms need to be sphinxed, <laughs> spanxed, sphinxed, whichever, right? Come on. Come on. Really. And I'm sorry, if you've bought the arm compression sleeve thingamajig, cool. We're all in a different place in the journey. I just have to keep looking at what this all means in relationship back to ego and unworthiness, right? Do you think you are inherently unworthy because your arms are flabby? For me, absolutely. There are many times in my life that I felt that I was unworthy because of the size of my body, the size of my thighs, the lack of tone in my arms, the a number on the size of my pants. I mean, how many times in my past, uh, we'll call it my past life, but this life, but before, earlier, that I chose a pair of pants not because they looked amazing on me, not because the price tag was reasonable, but because I fit into a size smaller, Probably because the pants ran big, but it gave me the illusion of greater worth because my pants were a smaller size. That is your ego. That is the effing mother effing bullshit that the ego does that says you are only worthy when. That's the bad side of the ego, right? This part of you that believes in scarcity, the part of you that seeks to constantly be affirmed in your faulty beliefing, belief systems, your faulty um, thinking patterns. That is, that's the ego side of this. So the ego says, um, I'm not worthy. And then the ego goes out into the world and feels slighted by everyone and everything. Or we had an experience recently where we got, um, we didn't get invited to something. And my wife and I both had our feelings effing hurt, man. I guess it's a swearing day, by the way. We had our feelings hurt. And I'm not going to pretend that that's not my human experience. If you don't have your feelings hurt every once in a while, then cool. You're more evolved than I am. But on occasion, and I literally can't remember the last time I really had my feelings hurt, but my feelings were hurt. And my ego started to turn that into something else. That was a story of not belonging. That became a story of being other because perhaps we're two women, although in this scenario that would have not been a limiting factor for you know your gifts, skills, and talents are. But you, your ego side, is negating it before it even gets out of the gate. 
What we're working to do is create a balance between the ego, which allows you to embody in this human form, and the spiritual self that says, here's the direction you need to go. Here are your, here's your work. Here's your, your karmic purpose. Here are the things that you need to be working on because it serves you, your highest good, and because it serves this world. Your soul's intent is to serve you, your highest good, your growth, your evolution, and to serve the world. Because simply by allowing yourself to grow, evolve, and anchor yourself more to the truth of your soul than the truth of your ego or the, not the, the mistruth of your ego, that is, that's the balance point. Not to become so connected to the work of the soul that you have then become untouchable, unrelatable, disconnected, so detached that you can't have any sort of human connection and experience, but instead just to find the sweet spot. I heard recently in one of these podcasts that I listened to that our job is not um, to be so only 100% spiritual, but our job as a human being or a spiritual being having a human experience is to be 100% spiritual and 100% human. That felt like the greatest piece of truth I've been offered in a really long time. Because I struggle sometimes with this idea about how much we're supposed to struggle And yes, you don't have to struggle. And I'll probably go into a whole other podcast about this because this is is a lot of information to me and a lot of processing. But the spiritual or metaphysical world will say, you don't have to suffer. And I want to be like, are you kidding me? Have you been human? Yeah, I might not have to choose the perspective of suffering, but the perspective of suffering and struggle is really difficult to overcome or to not even see it even for a second, right? I've come a long way. When challenging situations come towards me, I'm more apt or more able these days to soften, check in with my soul self and say, what's real here? What's true? How much of this do I want to take on? What's the lesson in this for me? And let it go. But I still suffer and wallow, in some self-pity and misery for a little bit. I mean, I have to have a pity party every once in a while. And I don't expect that no matter how evolved I become, that I'm not going to still have those human experiences. And I don't expect that any of us are, because if that was the case, and we're a spiritual being having a human experience, what would be the point of the human experience if we weren't having the human experience? I mean, that to me is what I understand to be the point. And so these challenges... That go, that, that go between the ego and the spiritual self, this dance that's constantly happening, that is why we're here. And your goal is to start to not seek as much wisdom from the ego space that we're up in our head and that we're being so cerebral about everything and everything gets intellectualized. But instead, that we take that information and we drop it into our heart, right? Heart math, the intuition of the heart. We drop it into our soul, our gut, and we say, does that resonate? Is that true for me? Is that really following the wisdom of my heart? And if the answer is yes, then you you manage your life from that vantage point. And if the answer is, no, this is an external experience thing. This is me seeking validation from the outside world. This is not true for me. This is somebody else projecting. This is my faulty beliefs. This is my old programming. This is the bullshit I tell myself. Then then it's up to the soul to go, 
that is just trying to stir you to believe in your unworthiness, and it's time to let that shit go. This is not easy work. The ego wants to often, or maybe doesn't want to, but it often keeps us feeling separate, alone, different, invisible, unworthy, unlovable. You name the negative emotion, the ego creates that that experience. And it's also always analyzing information in the world, but it's all the external feedback. It's all coming from out here. You know, ego is keeping up with the Joneses. And the Joneses have nothing to do with what's right for your soul. And so we're discontented when the ego's in charge because the ego's always looking for the outside world to validate, to make us feel secure, worthy, belonging, um, for you to feel like you're, you're able to keep up with whatever the measurement of the outside world is. But the soul says, those things don't matter. And those things will not lead you to content. The soul has the wisdom and the knowledge to lead you back to the gift of humanness and the gift of your personal experience. Now, I think that the ego also is also this idea of your personal reality or your personality, which is important. You have to have a personality in order to relate to the world. And even more so, I think your personality helps you deliver your soul's gifts. If you're a wet washcloth noodle and you have no personality, it'll be difficult for you to deliver the messages, the lessons, the karmic purpose to the world. So your personality is is vital too. But it's just a matter of who's in the driver's seat. If your ego's in the driver's seat, you're going to be looking for the measurements, the measuring devices, the tools, or the information that says, this is, this, this makes me enough. This experience, this validation, this many people liking my Facebook post, this person telling me I looked good in that outfit, um, I'm getting this many dates on Tinder. I don't actually know anything about that. Maybe you get dates on Tinder. I think you might get other things on Tinder, but you get it, right? The outside. I need my mother's validation. I need my sibling's validation. I need the neighborhood to think I've got my shit together. All of that, all of that is, is the ego, and it will never lead you to content. The ego's constantly striving for approval, but the the soul is striving. It's probably not even striving. The soul is offering you desires, impulses that lead you back to your deepest, most noble self, that lead you back to your high self, that lead you back to understanding who you are, what you're here for, and that you are ultimately unbreakable. And even more than that, Not only has your high self never been wounded by your experiences of the world, your high self is always connected back up to source, to this this continual consciousness, um, this experience of love and compassion and understanding and growth and evolution. It's like the conversation of your head, your beta thinking versus your heart, your heart's intuition. It's the conversation between your mind and your intuition. It's the conversation of your fear versus your faith. So how does this play out in our lives? I think most often what we're working to be reminded of is all of the work that Brene Brown does, that you are inherently worthy, that worthiness is a birthright. 
that your soul is never going to leave or abandon you, nor will your soul, your spirit, your high consciousness misguide you. You will be misguided often by the world because the world wants to tell you what's important, what's valuable. And you can look at all these people who have achieved what their ego told them they needed to and they find themselves still totally dissatisfied by life, discontent, unhappy. Because that's not where, that's not meant to be the guiding force. The ego serves a purpose. It keeps you alive. (laughs) It keeps you um, from putting your hand on the stove and all of the things that allow you to feel like you're having the human experience. And that is large, a large part of the point. But the soul, the spirit, gives you the content if you are able to listen to the wisdom that comes from your soul. Now, how do you do that? Any practice that allows you to be quiet. It might be walking. It might be meditation. It might be yoga. It could be tai chi. It could be reading books that elevate the way that you're thinking. It could be powerful podcasts. But it's simply starting to create an awareness of when your ego is leading or in the driver's seat And when you're having a human experience that allows you to go, hmm, this is me overreacting. This is me having my feelings hurt for really no good reason. This is me contributing back to that story that I believed. And if I look back at my life in this place of reflection, I can see that I inherited this. I inherited this belief system. I can remember times that my mother, my father, the people who raised me, my grandparents created this belief system. I can think of the time in middle school. I mean, who can you can think of a thousand experiences in middle school, I'm sure. Right? I can think of the time personally in middle school where I was at a friend of a friend's house, an acquaintance, and her mother brought out a measuring tape. And we all stood around and measured our boobs, our waist, and our hips. And whatever it is, you know, 36, 24, 36, or whatever, I don't even know. Whatever that measuring was, we were checking ourselves against the ideal measurement to see how we were faring in sixth or seventh grade. I mean, that is such utter bullshit that I was exposed to that, that some parent was passing down the belief system that this mattered. I also remember that I learned at that point that if you put your legs together, you were supposed to have a diamond between your inner thighs, between just below your knees and between your ankles. And that was also a measurement of your worthiness. If you were beautiful enough, if your figure was appropriately developing. What, I mean, can you think of a thousand measuring sticks that you were fed you know, your status, your, uh, what, what level of school you went to, um, where you grew up, where you live now, the size of your house, the number of children you have or don't have, your marital status, your relationship status, your weight, your age, your nationality, your religion, your ethnicity, all of it, all of those things, those external things. None of them will ever add up to your actual worth. And nothing actually has to add up to your worth because you have it already. But most of us go around the world wounded and believing we're not enough. And then we're constantly just affirming that experience. So we need to seek and start to seek the validation that comes from listening to your soul to spending time doing the things that feed and nourish your soul. I used to teach yoga primarily to pay the bills. And I hustled a lot of yoga. And I probably felt really 
discontent in that space because I wasn't able to connect to the students and the practice. I was a robot moving through it. And I'm not saying that I wasn't present in the space when I was there. I was. I was really present. But I didn't love it the way that I love it now because now I do it to feed my soul. I do it because the connection I make with the students, the energy in the space, because I'm in this work and I'm loving constantly reevaluating how I'm living human as a human being, what kind of service I'm adding back to the world, what efforts I'm, um, and, well, in what ways I'm contributing. That matters to me now because I know who I am in a way that I think I knew then but I also was trying to make a living. I had to, right? That was necessity. I had to make a living. I had to pay my bills. I had to do that. And I, I knew that I couldn't sit in an office. I tried. It was not for me. It squashed my soul. So step one for you, if you're really unclear about how to start feeding and nourishing your soul, is to ask yourself, what makes you lose time? What makes you um, feel lit up and energized what feels like nourishment? It might be time in nature. You might have to start there. I think that all of us in some form or fashion are called to service. And sometimes service is simply moving through your own wounds and challenges and struggles and offering wisdom back from the other side of the experience. If you've faced great trauma or loss and you've been really broken by life, but you've overcome that, your service might be simply words of wisdom to a few people who need it, showing up as an advocate. Um, I have a friend who, uh, who had uh, thyroid cancer, and she was saying the other day when I was speaking to her, I'll interview her here eventually, that no one can support you or give you what you need, like except when you're going through cancer and you're going through that experience, except for somebody who's made it to the other side. And those of us who have had any sort of challenge, which is pretty much any human being I've ever met, our job is to help other people who aren't yet to the other side learn how to make it to the other side. Because that's both ego and spiritual experience. The ego gave us the challenge. Not many people get um, a terminal illness or some sort of trauma and just surrender completely to the spiritual experience of it and just ask what it's meant to do for them on an evolution standpoint. Most of us are then working to protect our life and do the things we need to do to continue to live. And then in that growth comes, and out of that fear comes the opportunity to step into faith, to step into your, your soul's purpose, your lessons, your growth. I will caution that Um, Those of us who feel like we're on this path, and I talked about it, I think, on the front end of this, that the the one place that a lot of people, at least in my experience, that are in the world of yoga or similar, is that we get stuck in the spiritual ego, that we get stuck in the um, belief system that we know better than everybody else, or that we're more evolved and therefore more important. And that is your ego. In the yoga world, I see so many people take the seat of the teacher and their ego gets so inflated, and there's very quickly an abuse of power that happens. You can look it up anywhere, in any yoga community, and really any spiritual community, that very quickly the spiritual ego uses that power to do harm. But under the name of goodness, under the name of um, growth, I had an experience in my earlier years of of being involved um, in a particular training 
and um, experience and community where I saw very often people were were given the opportunity to share their own traumas, their vulnerabilities, their human challenges. And then in an effort to, in my opinion, keep, create a sense of control, those were then used against them. I have that experience myself, not as often of because of just who I am, and I didn't really allow space for that. I'm much more boundaried. But so often people's vulnerabilities were then used against them to manipulate them into doing what, you know, the power that be at the time wanted them to do. I've also had my own experience of posting something on social media about swearing. And I got a retaliation from a fellow yoga teacher in, in the Metro Detroit community who blasted me for swearing and that I needed to go meditate on it and some other terrible things. It was absolutely one of those experiences where the moral hierarchy of of him deciding what swearing meant for me, what it meant for every other student, and how I essentially was not uh, fit to be in the seat of the teacher because of my choice to use the F word on occasion. In the Me Too movement, in the in the world that we're in right now, I was pissed because this was one more man. I love you, men that are listening, um, but this was one more man telling me how I needed to behave in the world, telling me what I could say and not say, what I could do and not do, and really, ultimately, it was his interpretation of of how to live and what it meant to be spiritual. And I have a different one. To me. Part of my spirituality is empowerment. It's choosing to stand in your own power, in your own truth, in your own knowledge. And for me, on many occasions, that means dropping the F-bomb. Not ever in the way that it's at someone else, in a way that creates harm. And we might disagree on this. But for me, it, it's the ability to reclaim my passion and fire. It's a way to um, express, you know, I don't know. It's it's a powerful word. It's power, and but not in a way that it's over someone else. It's in a way that says enough, enough. I'm listening to the guidance of my heart and soul, and you get to listen to the guidance of yours. And I may change my mind one day and stop swearing, but I don't expect that anytime soon. And I absolutely don't need somebody else's dogma or idea of how and who I'm supposed to be to limit me. And neither do you. Right? You don't need the world to tell you who to be. You don't need the world telling you who not to be. You don't need the world constantly telling you not like that because it's bullshit. All you need to do is listen to the dance that happens between your soul and your ego and honor them both. They play different roles. Your soul is going to guide you towards a meaningful life. Your soul is going to give you the breadcrumbs along the way that say, this is where you're meant to be. And your ego is likely often going to distract you. And your ego is going to inflate you and deflate you. But it's still got a point. Your personality lives around that. It keeps you alive. Your ego still is a vital a part of you that keeps you striving. If you just were so spiritual and everything just happens for a reason, you would, you would probably do nothing. Right? It would be a great excuse to get nothing done. You could go live in, the, in a cave and contribute nothing except for some good energy back to the world. And I guess that's okay. Right? But the human experience is what we're supposed to be having, in my humble opinion. That's my humble opinion. I'm going to stick with it until I get a different story. So I would 
challenge you, I guess, as I wrap this up to think about what your ego is doing for you, but in what ways is it sabotaging you? In what ways has your ego limited your experience or limited your view or limited your life? And thank it for its information. Thank it for the struggles and challenges it's offered you because it's giving you growth. And then help it find its way to a more cohesive relationship so that ultimately you are guided by the wisdom of your heart, the wisdom of your soul. You are guided by something so deep within you that you don't need to worry about whether or not you're capable. If your desire comes from your soul, you will inherently find what it takes to do what you need to do. So stop listening to the ego telling you, you can't, you're not enough, you're unworthy, you're not you're, you're too old, you don't have the skill set, who are you to do it? Somebody else is already doing it. If I told myself somebody else is already doing a podcast and I shouldn't, which by the way, I probably did tell myself and I still tell myself that, then I wouldn't be doing this. You can be shut down by somebody else's doing it. If somebody else is more qualified or less qualified. You can be pissed all the time at people showing up and doing shit that you feel like you should be doing and you can let it stop you. Or you can allow yourself to recognize that is just your ego doing its thing. Honor it. Thanks. I hear you. You're doing your job. And now I'm going to do my job of tapping in a little bit deeper and digging a little bit more into what I know that I'm meant to be doing. The ego is seeking wisdom, intelligence, information. And I want all of us to continue to seek, actually to stop seeking, instead to tap in to the wisdom of your soul. I hope this is um, powerful for you, interesting for you, that it allows you some space of contemplation. I don't expect anyone to agree with me wholeheartedly, but I do hope that these conversations allow you to examine your life a little differently, that we're all working to unfold, unravel, and awaken to a higher sense of self, a deeper connection with your soul, which ultimately will give us a deeper connection with each other with this humanity, that we can be more compassionate to those we meet that aren't quite in the same place as you. This isn't a hierarchy in the sense that that you are somehow better because you've become more awake. This is simply an opportunity for you to keep examining your life, your human experiences, taking a step back and looking at it from the experience of the soul and deciding who you want to be. Your soul already knows. It's just up to your ego to get on board. I hope you guys enjoyed this. And of course, always, if you made it this far and you're enjoying listening, I um, ask you to please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll keep these conversations going. I've got some really exciting interviews set up for the coming weeks, and I'll pop in here and chat when uh, I see when it seems fit. Um, Thank you for thank you for listening. Have a great day.